0: Now I love it, love it, love it when the Lord takes us by surprise, and uh, that wasn't planned um, at all. Uh, but it just towards the end of the worship, just, just it, it seemed like Jesus was doing something, and it's always good to go with what we think He might be doing, uh, and if we get it wrong, we just we just waste a few minutes, um, and that's no one dies. But if it's Jesus. Uh, something beautiful could happen and uh, I had I had the um, I love having the 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 best view in the house because I could see people's faces as the Lord was meeting with them and it was wonder it's wonderful and then after the worshipping like that and then praying like that it almost seems like superfluous to do this it's like the anticlimax, but actually it's important um that that we hear God's word and we receive God's word, because it is word and spirit. It is word and spirit. And funnily enough, um, I, I want to talk a little bit this evening um, about uh, about worship. Um, uh, oh, before I do, I just need to mention. I know Rupert mentioned it at the beginning, but my name is Mike Pilavachi. Um Rupert didn't say anything about me as an introduction, which I just found. Um, incredibly upsetting Um, and um, so I need to tell you about the most important thing about me uh, and that is this that I am uh, regarded as a fashion icon uh, for this generation Um, where I go in fashion today uh, youth culture goes tomorrow so now we've got that out of the way you know all that you need to know about me and uh, I want to uh, uh, just just speak a little bit on worship uh, on what worship is, why it's important, and what happens when we worship. And uh, uh, I believe that worship um, is, is our highest priority as God's people. Well, there are two. Uh, there's worship and witness. And worship is telling God how good he is and why we love him. And witness is telling other people how good he is and why we love him. And uh, so they're kind of two sides of the same coin. But we were created for worship. We were created to worship God. In fact, uh, the Lord said to Moses at the burning bush, go back to Egypt and say to Pharaoh, set my people free, no full stop, so that they might worship me. It wasn't just set my people free, it was for a purpose and that they might worship me, that they might be my people. And the greatest commandment, Jesus said, is that we love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind and strength. And at root that is a command to worship. That is a command to worship him. And uh, it's, it's more than singing, it's the whole of life. It's, 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 it's to give praise, to give thanksgiving, to adore, to, to, to live for him. Obedience is the ultimate act of worship uh, because Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey my commands. Uh, and so worship is much more than singing and yet singing is is actually biblically really important for worship. And the reason for that is, um, you know, love song, you know, love poems come alive in a new way when they're set to music. And and music is, is something that God has given us as a gift in order to express love, to express joy. And it's not the only way by any means, but it is a significant way uh, that God has given us to worship him. So if worship is our highest priority to express love. Uh, I remember when I first became a Christian, I couldn't understand why God was so insistent that we worship him. You know, I was thinking, Lord... Do you have an insecurity problem? Do you, are, you, are you not sure of your identity, that we, we, have, to, we have to butter you up, that, you know, that we have to praise you, we have to thank you? What, what, what is that? What is that about? And what it was, was I just didn't understand what worship was. And uh, I discovered very soon that he is very secure in who he is. He's very, se- you know, he, he, he went for counselling and he was past A1. You know, the, uh, you know the, the he's, he really knows who he is, he's really sure of his identity and he doesn't need us to make him feel good about himself. But what worship is, is something very, very different. Um, I, I have two very close friends. Uh, one is a, a very close colleague uh, called Andy Croft. And um, I remember um, when he and his wife Beth, um, um, they got married. And uh, they came back from their honeymoon and almost immediately after they came back from their honeymoon, uh, I, the three of us went to Australia uh, to, to speak and lead worship at a camp for young people. Now it was in the middle of the bush, in the middle of nowhere, somewhere outside Melbourne in the state of Victoria. And when we went, there was, um, um, it, it, was, it was a campsite and the kids camped and there was this hut Um, that we were put into and it had two bedrooms and it had a wall in between the two bedrooms and the wall was incredibly thin. I mean it was just this thinnest of walls and there was no internet, there was no TV, there was no radio, we were in the middle of nowhere, it was no roads nearby, it was utterly quiet and they were just back from their honeymoon and we were in this hut with just a very thin wall between us. And I need to tell you, it is amazing what you can hear late at night through a very thin wall, especially if you've got a glass up against the wall. And I want to report to you what I heard. Now, this is very personal, so I ask that you keep this in confidence. Um, I I heard this I heard Andy, oh Beth, Beth, I do love you. I love, I love the way when you flick your hair, it shimmers in the moonlight. Oh Andy, Andy, when you preach... And you get all passionate and your little dimples come out. Oh, it sends a shiver down my spine. Oh, Beth, Beth, uh, when you sing, your voice is like the voice of an angel. Oh, Andy, Andy. And it just went on and on and on and on. And I, I, after a while, I just thought, this is so boring. And I took the glass away, and I thought, if that's what you have to do, I'm not getting married. And, and, but, but, but what were they doing? what were they doing? They were praising each other. They were thanking each other. They were adoring each other. Neither of them thought, oh, I need to say these things to, 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 make, to make him or her feel good about themselves. Uh, it's the overflow of love when we express it. Love is not complete until we express it. And that, in essence, is what worship is. Worship is is expressing our love for him. He doesn't need us to make him feel good about himself. He longs for intimacy in relationship with us. That's his longing. That's what he wants. And that's why worship is important. And worship is important for our health. If we were created for worship, when we worship, something changes. like tonight, you know, that what happened in ministry came out of worship, came out of that place of engaging with him. And, and I have noticed over the years that that is, um, it says in Psalm 22 verse 3, the Lord inhabits the praises of his people. And I love that. Um, and that's in the translation in the Anglican book of common prayer so it must be right the Lord inhabits the praises of his people and um, you see this again and again and I just want to read you a brief passage from Matthew chapter 26 beginning at verse 6 while Jesus was in Bethany in the home of Simon the leper a woman came to him "'with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume, "'which he poured on his head "'as he was reclining at the table. "'When the disciples saw this, they were indignant. "'Why this waste?' they asked." This perfume could have been sold at a high price and the money given to the poor. Now, this story is in, is in the different Gospels. It's in more than one. And in one of the other Gospels, uh, they actually put, they say this, this perfume could have been sold for a year's wages. Now, I don't know what an average year's wages is. I think it's very different um, in Chester Square to it is in Watford and um but it it's it's a good few thousand let's say let's say average in the country years wages 27 pounds maybe something like that that perfume was worth a lot of money and in another place it says she broke the the alabaster jar and it would have been an, a family heirloom. Um, it, it would have been maybe her pension, and and it would have been what you did is you tipped it upside down, and one little bit would come out, one little little small piece of perfume. Piece of perfume isn't the right word, but you know what I mean. Uh, would come out, and you would use that. And she broke it, and she poured twenty-eight thousand pounds worth of smell all over Jesus. I mean, one shower and it was gone. And Judas and the other disciples were indignant. The things we could have done with that. We could have have started a building project. Uh, we uh, We could have done this. We could have done an evangelistic campaign. We could have all sorts of things. And Jesus says, no, she's taken the better part. And what she, what she, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will be told in memory of her. That means he loved it. That means he loved it. In John's version of this story, it says the fragrance of the perfume filled the room. And I love that. There's a fragrance in true worship That fills a room there's a fragrance about a true worshipper that fills the room I'll never forget years and years ago in another century absolutely literally um, when I was a young man and uh, I'd just become the youth worker at a church called St Andrew's Chorley Wood and um, I was I was appointed to the staff of the church so I felt very important and so I would wander around uh, being important and doing important things. And uh, one Sunday morning, um, I was uh, going around preparing things in an important way. And there was this elderly, very elderly lady in the church called Hilda Batchelor. And Hilda would go around on her Zimmer frame. And, um, and Hilda would come early and she'd sit down uh, in a corner or in a pew And as I was walking by in uh, being important, Hilda said, uh, oh, Mike, do, do you have a moment? And I thought, oh, no, I've got so many important things to do. And I mean, Hilda, she's not really my province. I do youth. I don't do the about to go to heaven brigade. And, and, and then I thought, well, even though I'm important, I may as well give her a moment. And I said, okay, Hilda, um, I've, I've just got a moment because I've got a lot of important things to do. And she said, come, come, come and sit next to me. And I thought, oh, come on. And then I thought, but I can't. So I sat next to her and I said, go on, Hilda, what is it? And she said... Isn't Jesus wonderful? Don't you just love him? I love coming early and sitting here and just talking to him and pray before the service and, and I, I watch everyone as they come in and I pray for them all as they come in and I love being with Jesus. Now, Mike, you know where I live. You've seen my house. I'll tell you, the back door is always unlocked. If ever you're going by, just come in And we can worship Jesus together. I sat there and I suddenly wanted to become a Christian. I thought, oh, I was so busy doing important things. And Hilda had chosen the best thing. The best thing. And there's a story in the Bible about that. About two ladies, Mary and Martha. And Mary sat at Jesus' feet. And Jesus said, she's chosen the better thing. The better thing. And there was a fragrance about Hilda that had nothing to do with her age. You know, when you were around Hilda, no, (laughs) that came out wrong. When... when 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 you were around hilda you 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 felt closer to jesus and it's it was amazing you know like um You'd see her walking down the, the high street, which was called Lower Road of Chorley Wood on her Zimmer frame, and she would talk to everyone, she knew everyone, and she would stop and she'd say, "Hello, I haven't seen you for a while. How's your daughter? Has she recovered from, from her flu?" And, "Oh, oh, how's your job going?" And, and I remember I, the, more than once I was in the little supermarket of Chorley Wood called Budgeons. And, I, you know, and being an important person, you're in a hurry in a supermarket. You know, you want to get out quickly. And I'd get in the aisle and I'd be there. And after a while, I think, this aisle is not moving, nothing's happening. I thought, what on earth is going on? And then I stepped out and I looked and my heart sank. I saw the Zimmer frame and there was Hilda having a conversation with the checkout assistant as if we all had all day and she was saying to her love I pray for you and I'll keep praying for you I've got you on my prayer list and Jesus loves you and and da 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 and I was like Hilda please hurry but actually everywhere she went there was the fragrance of Jesus Everywhere she went, she radiated the beauty of Jesus. And that's what happens when we worship. Something happens to us. Something happens in us. Something happens with us. And I have noticed so often, so often when we, when we truly worship, healing comes. It really does. Healing comes. I remember um, there was, uh, when I was a teenager, I used to go to this prayer meeting every Monday. I would never miss it. Prayer and worship meeting in a Catholic church in Cockfosters called uh, Church of Christ the King. And I wouldn't miss it for the world. It would take me an hour and 10 minutes on the bus to get there and an hour and 10 minutes on the bus to get back to where I lived in Harrow. And there was one evening we were worshipping Jesus and we were singing a song we don't sing anymore, um, a really old song. Does anyone remember it? It's from Psalm 134. Come bless the Lord, all you servants of the Lord. Does anyone remember that? You remember it? Does anyone else? You remember it? You guys are old. And uh, um, I had to say that. And, and, and you, what we would do is we would clap for, come bless the Lord, all you servants of the Lord, who stand by night in the house of the Lord, and then lift up your hands in the holy place and bless the Lord and bless the Lord. Come bless the Lord. Well, we did that, the regulation Charismatic four and a half times, and um, and uh, sitting next to me was an elderly nun, and you know she behaved herself up to that point, but when we finished that song, we all stopped clapping, and she carried on clapping, and you know I was thinking this is embarrassing, and then she suddenly realised she was the only one clapping, and we were all looking at her, and she said, I suppose you're wondering why I'm clapping. And she said the thing is I've had arthritis in my hands and in my fingers for the last years and I've hardly been able to move them and I can't even hold a coffee cup without being in excruciating pain. And as we were worshipping Jesus I forgot that I had arthritis and I started clapping him and I forgot that I had arthritis and look, she said, the arthritis is gone, it's gone, he healed me and do you know what happened? I imagine it like this and I hope this isn't too irreverent that Jesus distracted her attention from her arthritis and as he did that, it was as if the Holy Spirit sneaked behind her and healed her when she wasn't looking. It comes from the place of worship, but also when we worship and God's presence comes, his manifest presence. I mean, that's a silly thing to say because he's omnipresent. His presence is always there, but biblically he's omnipresent and he manifests his presence at certain times. You know, the burning bush, uh, when the glory fell in 2 Chronicles chapter 6 and 7, um, uh, in Ultimately in Jesus on the day of Pentecost um, in Acts chapter four. There's lots of examples of that. But but when 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 we worship, something happens because the Holy Spirit comes to us in a unique way. And worship and evangelism must belong together. And worship and to worship is to change. Now I said I was a youth, I've been, I was, I've been a youth leader since the days of Noah. And as a youth leader, I have done the sex talk to youth groups, I can't tell you how many times, more times than I've had hot dinners. And believe me, I've had a lot of hot dinners. And, and I could do the sex talk asleep, You know, don't touch what you haven't got. Don't go below the belt. And I'd say it to my youth group. And when I'd say it, they'd, they'd nod in the right places and they'd shake their heads in the right places. Oh, yes, we agree. And I think I've got through. I've got through this time. That would be on a Friday. On a Saturday, they'd go to a party. And by Sunday, I would know who had fallen, who had messed up because my spies were there and then I'd find out who it was and then the following Friday I would do the sex talk again and this time I would look prophetically at the offenders (laughs) and you know what however much I said it however much they nodded they weren't very good at doing it they weren't well they were very that was the problem they weren't very good at at being obedient at being obedient and then something happened when we started our Soul Survivor Festivals, um, I remember it was the first meeting, I think, of the second year. It was the very first meeting, and something extraordinary happened. I hadn't preached yet. I hadn't had a chance to teach about what they should do and what they shouldn't do. And my friend Matt Redman was leading worship, and um And as I was standing on the side waiting for him to finish for me to do the important stuff, this kid, this boy came up to me and he gave me a knife. And he said, can you throw this away? I don't want it anymore. And it wasn't the sort of knife you peel potatoes with. And I thought, that's crazy. And then another boy came to me later on in the time of worship, I don't think related to the first one, and he gave me a knuckle duster. And he said, can you throw this away? I don't want to use it anymore. You know, those things that you use to cause damage. And then a third guy came, not related to the other two. And he came up to me and he was in tears. And he said, can I give you these? Um, I don't want to use them anymore. Um, I want to follow Jesus. And he, gave, he put these packets into my hand. And I looked at the packets and I thought, oh my goodness, I think they're drugs So I put those in my pocket (laughs) for safekeeping. And then after the meeting, I went back to the team room with Matt. And when we got back to the team room, I took the packets out of my pocket. And I said to Matt, for a joke, I said to Matt, hey Matt, we can smoke these later on. Matt looked at the packets and then looked at me and he said, I can't wait to see you smoke those, Mike. They're condoms. (laughs) Single, innocent, Christian youth worker. I didn't even know what they were. But here's the point. There's a point to the story. Listen to the point. There's a point, listen. There's a point to the story. And the point is this. I hadn't preached yet. I hadn't had a chance to say to them, if you want to follow Jesus, you do not stab people, you do not leave marks on their faces, and you do not have sex outside of marriage. I hadn't done any of that. What happened? As we worshipped, the Holy Spirit came and he did what he loves to do. He convicts the world of its guilt in regard to sin, righteousness, and judgment. Hey, and there is an absolute place. I'm a preacher. uh, there for preaching and teaching. I believe in it. But do you know what? There has to be the conviction of the Spirit. God, we change when we encounter Jesus. Otherwise, we're trying hard to obey rules. We change. It's the expulsive power of a greater affection. That's how it works. That's why. That's why God calls us to worship. Because when we worship him, we come home. When we worship him, we come home. Worship is the activity of heaven. It's what we'll be doing for eternity. Now, don't panic. That does not mean we're going to be singing the same song for forever. Um, I think it'll... Oh, I hope not. Uh, no, I don't think it, it will. But... It, And it'll be about him. It'll be about him. It's always about him. And when we put him at the centre of our worship, we put him at the centre of our lives. And when we put him at the centre of our lives, everything changes. Everything changes. And we start to smell like him. We start to be a little bit like Hilda Batchelor, who I imagine her now, in heaven, she's been there for a while, having the time of her life, having the time of her life. Let's get ready now. And as we do, we will see him do things that we can only dream about. I love what is beginning here. This is only our second Sunday and the downstairs is full it's wonderful. And I, as with Rupert and Liz and, 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 and the other team here, um, you know, I long that this becomes um, a worshipping congregation that isn't just for ourselves, but that reaches out and draws others in this area and roundabout who come to know Him. The, the prayer is in this place that has such a history. In years gone by, there might this might be a place of salvation for many, and we can pray towards that. That's what this is about. We love those that visit. We don't want to, we don't want to steal people from other churches, but if you sense a call uh, to be here, maybe you've not been going to church for a while. Maybe you've been struggling. Maybe you're considering, you know, really anyway, where you should be. Uh, prayerfully consider whether this might be uh, a place, a place to join with brothers and sisters and to do God's mission together, but to do it not because we're forced to, but because we love him. Remember, worship is telling him why we love him. Witness is telling others why we love him.